Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. It is so good to be here. It's great to be back in the great state of Ohio. Uh, we spent a little time in Florida with Jolie's family over the past uh, couple weeks, and man, it was warm. It was amazing, but I hear, I hear it, was, it was pretty warm here, too. And, but man, thanks, Toby, for uh, preaching last week. Uh, it's so uh, good that I can uh, go away and, and just know that uh, things are in good hands, and, and it sounds like you guys had an amazing weekend. We were watching online uh, from down in Florida. Florida, and it sounded great and looked great, and, and just uh, could really, even across the airwaves, um, know that the presence of God was 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 working right here in this room, and and uh, just a blessing to be a part of that online. If you're here with us online this morning, welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. But hey, we're going to jump into our new series called Made for Mondays. Made for Monday. And today, we're specifically going to be talking about prayer. And so let's dig in. If you got your Bibles or the Mosaic app, open up and the notes are there and uh, you can follow along. But there's a lot of things that can make Mondays a bummer. Can I get an amen? Right? Some of you, it's about, you know, Sunday afternoon, maybe after church when you already start dreading uh, the alarm clock tomorrow morning. And so I'm so thankful that there's more to life than just our day jobs, right? But they play a pretty big part. I remember my first uh, day job, my first job, period. Uh, I worked 15 or 20 hours a week during the summer as a bagger at uh, the local grocery store. It's a grocery store that no longer exists. It was old school. It was the kind of grocery store, um, maybe some of you will, will remember this. You could walk up to the bakery back then and, and ask for a cookie and they'd just give you one for free because you were a kid and because you were kind of cute. And so, you know, that kind of grocery store, the kind of grocery store that had a restaurant inside of it where you could get some biscuits and gravy and, 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 and sit down and talk with all the, the, the old guys. It was amazing, right? Right? It was a, a real grocery store where people still bag your groceries and helped you take it out to the car and all that. And so that was my first job. And I mean, I was just happy to be getting money. I was getting paid like $5.15 an hour at minimum wage, but I was happy. It was good. Not only did I bag groceries, but I gathered the carts in the parking lot. I helped people get to their car and get their groceries in the car. But, but here was my least favorite part of the job. I sorted the cans. Now, some of you young people, you're like, Joe, what in the world are you talking about? But back in the day, you could go get cans and take them in, and they give you a nickel for every can. Anybody remember that? Awesome for you getting the nickel. Not so awesome for the 16-year-old in the grocery store that has to sort the cans and the bottles. Absolutely disgusting, right? I should have been an episode on Dirty Jobs, right? But, um, but it was gross. It was stinky. I did not look forward to it. And because of parts like that of my job, I could not, I lived for break time. When I could spend like two of the $10 I was making that day and get a Snickers and a Dr. Pepper, or I could go to the restaurant and grab some biscuits and gravy. And it was probably like $1.50, right? It's amazing. Good times. But almost every job in the world has its downsides, right? That's why, that's why they call it work, right? That's why they call it work. And most people, unfortunately, work to live rather than living to work. Most people work to live rather than living to work. And because of the downsides of work, we usually live for the weekend. We do. We can't wait for that to... to, to punch that clock, to get out, to, to, I don't know if we punch clocks anymore, we just go on the app or, I don't know how we, how we clock out anymore these days. 
but we live for the weekend. We compartmentalize our lives, and, and, and here's what it really comes down to. We live for the most comfortable parts. We are made by our circumstances, and Monday really does own us. It owns us. Our mood, our sense of purpose, it's all tied to circumstance, whether we like our job, whether we don't like our job, how our job is going, interpersonal conflict at work, all of it, it owns us. But the truth of the gospel is that Jesus came so that you and I could have life all the time. All the time, including Monday, including Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day, regardless of what you're doing. You, in God's book, in God's eyes, were made for Mondays to glorify God with everything that you do, with your work, with your family, with your life, all of it. No compartments, no divisions, it's all worship. And the most impactful way that God makes you isn't through comfort and everything going right. Don't you wish it was? I do. <laughs> right? That'd be pretty nice. But it's through your habits. It's through your habits. How many of you ever heard the quote that says, you know, you make your habits and then your habits make you? Right? One theologian said it like this. He said, habit is either the best of servants or the worst of masters. It's so true. And another, another uh, leadership expert said, show me your habits and your friends and I'll show you your future. And so it's inseparable, the effect that habits have in your life. Now, they could be good habits, they could be bad habits. But if God is in your habits and if God is using them, then it can have an incredible impact. And so the most important thing about your day-to-day -day life isn't where you work or your circumstances or anything like that. It's your habits. Why? Listen. Because your habits are the space we create for God to make us. Your habits are the space that you set aside, that you do intentionally, where God makes you. And so when we say made for Mondays, we're not saying, oh, I was made to work, I was made to do this job, I was made. No, God is making you for a life filled of purpose. God wants to make you into something better and different than you currently are. No matter how much you've grown up to this point in your life, God is still working on you and making you into his image. Isaiah 64, eight says it like this. Oh Lord, you are my father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. He's making you. Romans 12, two says it like this. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I really, really love how the message paraphrase uh, says that verse in Romans 12, one and two. Listen to this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. 
Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best of you, brings the best out of you, and develops well-formed maturity in you. Right? So God is the potter. I'm the clay. I've got a life. I need to put it in his hands every day, all day, and let him shape me and form me into who he wants me to be. Listen, God is way more involved than most people think. A lot of times, we just go to church on the weekends and then we go on with the rest of our life and conveniently leave him out of so so much of it. But if we want God's best, we have to do what this verse says and intentionally make room for him in our life. An old version says, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That's the image. We have to intentionally make room for him in our lives, and that's what we control. And so this month in this Made for Monday series, we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines, which, you know, maybe you've heard words like devotions, spending time with God, prayer, reading your Bible, fasting, all of that we're going to talk about this month. And I just want to encourage you, though, this isn't just something you do because we're supposed to, because we're good Christians, because we follow Jesus. It's not, it's not just that. It's space that you leave open for God to make you. And I think that's an important distinction. We're not just doing this because we're supposed to. We're creating space for God to make us and shape us and transform our thought life and to, to help us be who he wants us to be. I love this concept, and Sobe gave a great talk last week about preparing for what God will do. And so through this series, we're gonna give just some really practical tools and and handles on how you can do just that. We're gonna dive into some some specific ways that we can position ourselves for God to make us for Monday. And the first habit we're gonna talk about during uh, during this series is prayer. So we're gonna dive into that today. When I think about prayer and I think about God's word, I love the Psalms. The Psalms is, if you flop open your Bible, if you have a real Bible, like like paper, analog Bible, and you flop it open to the very middle, you're probably going to land right in the middle of the Psalms. It's a a book right in the middle of your Bible, and and there's there's all these songs and prayers and, and, and just raw, intimate thoughts talking to God worshiping God, there's all these great great examples of prayer. And many times the Psalms are very raw and unfiltered. You see real life, you see real problems, and you see those things interacting with the greatness of God. And more importantly, you don't just see a sharing of feelings and telling God what's going on and all that is really good and important, but many times you see a shift You see a turning point. You see a reshaping of perspective. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to my prayer life, I want that. 
I don't want it to just be a ritual or a time just me spouting things off to God. I want to be shaped and molded by his presence. I think people want that. People want a real faith. People want a real relationship with God. They don't want religion. They don't want a list of things to not do and not do. Um, Although, obviously, there are things that God wants us to do and not do. But no, they want real relationship with God, something real. But our prayers, let's just be honest, and you might be in this boat, our prayers many times aren't like that. They're not very real. They're not very raw. They're not very unfiltered. And why is that? Have you ever found yourself in a prayer life where there's rarely tension? Rarely tension? There's rarely urgency. There's rarely immediacy. There's rarely real dependence. It more feels like just a ritual. Well, I, I, I guess I'm supposed to pray because I, I, I believe in Jesus, and so here goes nothing. <laughs> and then we say some words that we think we're supposed to say, and, and, and you know, deep in our heart, we're like, I hope God hears me. And, and we just spout some stuff off because we really don't know how to pray. And when we feel that God doesn't respond, maybe uh, at all or how we want, you know, we, we just go another direction. And we quit praying or we forget to pray. And there's, there's not really a, a drive or an urgency to spend time with God in prayer. More times than not, we treat God like our insurance company. We come to church and we give him the offering, we pay the bill, and then we only talk to him when something really wrong happens. <laughs> when there's a disaster, when there's an emergency, and, and we need him to come in and save the day. And when he doesn't respond how we want, we drop him and look for another insurance agent. Right? A lot of times we insulate ourselves with comfort, and I think that's another reason why we don't feel this urgency in prayer. We insulate ourselves with comfort to the point where our prayers are nothing more than tokens just lifted up for ritual's sake. And when this is the case, prayer isn't making or forming us, we're just making up prayers, because we're supposed to. And so if you find yourself in that spot, either, either you know, you just don't really know how to pray or you're just really so comfortable that there's no urgency in your life. I just wanna challenge you that it's really hard to be shaped by God when you've already shaped yourself, when you've already made all the decisions about what you want your life to be like and, and what your goals are and what your dreams are gonna be and what your ambitions are. When you've already shaped it all and you've decided what it's all gonna look like, it's really hard for God to shape you when you're not open to further shaping. But the truth is, God made you physically, he gave you an eternal soul, he breathed life into your lungs, and then because of sin, we needed to be reborn and remade spiritually. And so that's why we're gonna talk about this, because God wants to continually remake you into his likeness, into his image. That's why when Jesus talked to Nicodemus in John chapter three, he said, you need to be born again. You need to be different than you are. There's a new you. There's a, there's a spirit man that God wants to rebirth in you. Why? Because you're dead in your sin and you need to be remade. And so when we say made for Monday, we say, God, shape me, make me, mold me into what you want me to be. And so today we're going to look at some psalms and other verses that guide us into what a growing prayer life looks like. So let's talk about some things that improve your prayer life. Number one, 
If you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling, you don't know what to pray, you don't know how to pray, you don't know, you're just stuck in prayer. And I believe in 2023, the most important thing that you could do is to get a better prayer life. I think it's at the top of the list. That's why it's the first message that I'm preaching this year. And so the first thing you wanna do is increase the stakes in your life. Increase the stakes in your life. Psalm 42, one through five says it like this. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Even in that first statement, we see that there's this dependency, there's just this stake that, God, if I don't spend time with you, if I don't get close to you, then I'm gonna die. It says, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I only have tears for food, while my enemies continually haunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. So you see this tension in this verse. There's this dependence, this urgency that, he's, that the, the writer has to get in the presence of God. I wanna ask you, what drives someone to pray a prayer like that? What drives someone to pray like that? Many times I believe that we don't pray like that because we don't really feel the need to because we're comfortable. But let me tell you what, if you start making choices according to God's word, if you start actively and purposefully reading God's word and putting it into practice, you will immediately experience an increased compulsion to pray like that. When you start really believing what God's word says, you are driven to prayer with the same kind of heart. And you say, Joe, well, what does that look like? Well, think about it in God's word. David, everyone else was backing down to the giant Goliath. David's like, nope, I'm, not, I'm gonna stick to God's word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor the name of the Lord. I'm gonna stand up for what's right. And what happened? He killed a giant. And then he, he's running for his life from Saul. He made unpopular, albeit honorable decisions and the road was not easy for him. And as a result, we see the Psalms full of prayers from David, crying out to God, depending on God, going to the feet of God. And why did he have to pray those prayers? Because he was making a decision to stand up for God, to do what is right, and to make the honorable decisions in his life that, that, that were following God's word. And when he messed up, he did his best to make it right. You think about Joseph. Joseph has a dream. He tells his brothers. They, they ridicule him for it. They sell him into slavery. And then for the next 13 years, he endured hardship. How many of you want to know that, that when Joseph was following God's dream for his life and then he endured hardship, he was probably driven to his knees in prayer. Why? Because he was saying yes to Jesus. Because he was saying yes to what God wanted for his life rather than what was comfortable and easy. Paul, in the New Testament... He wrote more in the New Testament than anybody else. But at one time, he was killing Christians. He was persecuting the church. He was a bad dude. He had all the religious things going for him, but he wasn't right with God. 
He has an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, and he immediately began telling others about Jesus. And how many of you know that was gonna change some previous relationships that he had in his life? It was gonna change things. He even put himself in harm's way for the cause of Christ. And when we read all the letters that Paul wrote, he usually begins them and ends them with prayer. He's talking about how constantly he prays. He's teaching us how to pray. He's talking about how much we need to depend on the Lord in prayer. Why? Because when you do what God says, you'll be driven to your knees in dependence on him. The disciples, they left their jobs, they left everything to follow Jesus. And what did they do? They asked Jesus, God, teach us to pray. Why? Because the closer they got to Jesus, the more they realized they needed to be in prayer. They saw Jesus do it, and they knew that that was something they needed to cultivate in their life. So when I say increasing the stakes, I say, I'm, we're meaning obey scripture. If God says to do something, let's do it. And let me just give you a spoiler alert. The stakes are already high, whether you acknowledge them or not. So the stakes raise in your life when you say yes in obedience to scripture. You and I, every single one of us, we have one life. We have one choice that matters. We will live once and we will spend eternity in one of two very real places, either heaven or hell. There's one way to get to heaven. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other path. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. It's the only choice. And so when we have one life and one choice and only one way to get to heaven, the stakes are pretty high. Can I get an amen? And some of you, if you came here and heard nothing else today, that's what you needed to hear. The stakes are high for your life. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised the next moment. Those are high stakes. The stakes are already high. But you and I, by mysteries only God knows, we've been given a choice. You can choose to act accordingly to the incredible high stakes, or you can ignore them and try to be comfortable for the rest of your life. And I know that's kind of a tough word this morning, but at some point when we are following Jesus, we have to acknowledge that the stakes are really high. I pray as your pastor that we choose to take responsibility for our lives, that we choose to take responsibility for what God has placed in our hands and to tenaciously pursue God's plan even when it doesn't seem to be comfortable on the surface. So how can you raise the stakes in your life? How can you acknowledge the already high stakes in your life? Let me just give you a few practical ways. For some of you, it might mean placing your faith in Christ. You have not yet put your faith and trust in him. You have not yet gone public with your faith. You haven't said, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and my life is now gonna reflect that fact. Maybe you've given your heart and your life to Christ, but hey, you haven't got baptized yet and your next step to raise the stakes in your life is to go public with your faith, to not just tell this church, but to tell the world, to tell your coworkers, to tell everybody that you know that you're following Jesus. How many of you know that for some of you that's gonna change some things? And when you make that declaration that you are now a Christ follower, doing life God's way, 
you're probably going to get driven to your knees a little bit more in prayer. Another way to raise the stake, have some relationships with lost people with the intention of leading them to Christ. Building rapport, building a good reputation, making wise decisions, communicating God's word in a graceful and loving way, communicating his truth in its entirety. Tell your story to somebody about how God saved you, redeemed you, made you whole. Man, when you tell your story to somebody, you're probably gonna talk to Jesus about it first. You're gonna pray more. How about pray for a prodigal's return? Somebody in your life that is far from God, pray for them. Acknowledge that they need Jesus. Raise the stakes. How about try something new for Jesus? Try serving. You know, jump in a ministry even if you're, you're uncomfortable with it and just say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice some time for you. And for some of you, man, you get nervous just thinking about that. Hey, it's raising the stakes. How about committing to something that, that costs you something? Commit to something for Christ that's actually gonna cost you time or money or, or resources or, or it's actually gonna cost you something. It's going to raise the stakes. How about get honest? Get honest about the sin that you're dealing with. Get honest about the addiction that, that no one knows about. Tell a friend. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other so that times of healing and refreshing can come. When you get honest and when you get real, you can really grow. And let me tell you, some of you are dealing with such big stuff that, are, that is hidden sin in your life that, that, that when you get honest, the stakes are gonna get higher and you're really gonna be reaching out to God in prayer. You're gonna be depending and leaning into him. Man, if you wanna raise the stakes, say, just say to God, here am I, send me. God, whatever you wanna do in my life, or you, however you wanna use me, here I am. Send me, Lord. And I'm not saying to... to uh, to raise the stakes haphazardly or to be foolish in your pursuit of Christ, but to make purposeful decisions made following Jesus even when they're hard. Listen, prayer that isn't connected to real life is devoid of passion and purpose. When you're just lifting up prayers for prayer's sake and, and it's not connected to real life decisions that you're making to follow Christ, that's when prayer becomes just a ritual. The moment that we lower the stakes and the expectations in our prayer life is the moment when it becomes an exercise and ritual and many times in futility. When you're not driven by the purpose that God's word is giving you, then there's no power in your prayer. Some of us are taking the easy road of comfort and, and, and we stop following Jesus at the slightest sign of discomfort or need of faith. And I would like to just humbly remind you today that it is called a faith journey. You're gonna to have to step out into waters when you don't see the way. You're gonna to have to take steps even when you don't know what comes next because that's just what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so if you're not making choices that drive you towards prayer, you're probably playing it a little too safe, just a little bit too comfortable, and dare I say, probably unsurrendered. And so I wanna encourage you to surrender today, not foolishly, but with a heart of obedience and surrender. Say, God, lead me, guide me, and help me to make the hard choices even when they're hard.
I love what James 5.16 says. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so even when you step into those hard choices, man, when, you, when you're driven to your knees in prayer and you're praying for God to come through, he's gonna be right there with you and answer those kind of prayers. Number two, the second thing, if we want to improve our prayer life in 2023, we need to increase our faith. We need to increase our faith. Luke 11, nine through 13 Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray and and he says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds, and everyone who knocks, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love that Jesus is just so incredibly clear. Ask, seek, knock, keep asking, ask again, ask more times, just keep asking. So what do we need to take from this passage? You know, I think about when my kids ask for something, we usually have a conversation about why they need it. Parents, do you do that? It's like they ask for something, and you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Why in the world would you need that? And, or if they don't need it, we're like, oh, no, we're saving money. Or, or there, There's all kinds of things that happen in that conversation. And sometimes they ask, and they ask, and they ask. And can I just be uh, just up front with you in a little confession time? Sometimes I just give in because they ask so much, Right? Especially when it's something simple like, oh, dad, can you get ice cream? Oh, twist my arm. Let's go get ice cream, kids. You know, and so sometimes when they just ask a lot, I give in. And sometimes we have a conversation about, about why. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, keep asking. And God's going to give you exactly what you need when you need it. Many times when I have a conversation with my kids, they might end up with something a little different than what they originally asked for. But that doesn't change the fact that God says to keep asking and then to ask again. Listen, you will never offend God by asking him for something that he's already promised. Think about it. It's his will that everybody comes to repentance. It's his will that that you have everything that you need. It's his will that, you know, maybe life won't be easy, but his grace will always be enough. And so ask for it and keep asking. And when you feel like he's not showing up or he's not answering, what does the Bible say? Just keep asking. Why? Because every time you ask and every time you lean into him and every time you press in in prayer, what, what are you doing? You're saying, by faith, I'm asking again because I believe I have a God who has not done with me yet. So when you pray prayers like that, you're increasing your faith. Don't give up, don't ask once, just keep asking. And I just, side note, I wanna encourage you to just don't insult a really big God with small prayers. If you think it's, it's too big of a prayer or too big of a thing to ask God, but uh, it aligns with your word, just ask anyway. I don't understand why Jesus said to keep asking. I don't understand all the out, ins and outs of it, but here's what I know. I might not understand the answers, but I can obey. I can do that all day long. And you might say, what, what do I do, Joe, when, when God doesn't answer? 
And I just want to encourage you, God always answers. He either says yes, or he says no, or he says not yet, or he says I have a different plan. But he always answers, but it's our responsibility, the way that we obey and the way that we have more faith, is by waiting on the Lord to keep pressing in in prayer, to keep asking, and to know that the conversation shapes you and aligns you with his plans. The conversation, the process of asking and listening and talking and listening, it shapes you to make you into somebody that understands his purpose and his plans. Uh, we're going to do something for the next 21 days that is a church. It starts tomorrow. And so if you open up your Mosaic app, and if you don't have it, I encourage you to download it. And if you're somebody that is like, I will never download the app, Joe, I, I'm, just, uh, I'm just not going to do it. Well, we have, we have 50 print copies of the prayer guide for the next 21 days. And the ushers will have them at the doors when you leave. And so if you'd like to grab one of those, you can grab it on the way out. But for most of you that, are, that have apps on your phone, Download the Mosaic Church app and you open up the app in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a button that says prayer guide. And for the next 21 days, we're gonna pray the same things together every single day and ask God for some really big things, all right? And so if you don't know what to pray, ask for those, those things. Then this will get you started in your prayer life for 2023. The third and last thing as we close today, if we wanna improve our prayer life in 2023, I wanna encourage you to ask God to break your heart for what breaks his. Ask God to break your heart for what breaks his. How do we do this? First, we gotta plant ourselves in God's presence daily. What does Psalm 1 say? Psalm 1, 1. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord and then what does it say? Meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. And so if, if we're going to ask God to break our heart for what breaks his, first of all, we got to know his heart. And, and how do we do that? We plant ourselves in his presence every single day. We plant ourselves there. The second thing that we do is we seek him intensely. And we have to do this on purpose. This isn't something that happens by osmosis. This isn't something that's just gonna happen if you show up every Sunday. We gotta seek him intensely. In Matthew 6, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Seek him first. Make it be the first thing on your mind in the morning and the last thing when you go to bed. And then the last thing we do, if we're gonna ask God to break our heart for what's break his, we gotta yield to his will. We gotta yield to his will. We're gonna place ourselves in his presence. We're gonna seek him intensely. And then we're just gonna yield to whatever he wants to do. In Matthew 6, 9 through 10, Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. He said, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. Whatever you wanna do, do it, God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now listen, I'm all for conversations with God and telling God how you feel and sometimes we just need to vent to him and just, just let it all out. Ask him questions, listen for his voice, it's all good. 
But more than anything, I need my heart to be rewritten by His. I need my heart to come in alignment with His. That's what I need. If I'm gonna find the way to navigate through my feelings, if I'm gonna find the way to navigate through my emotions and everything that's going on in my life and the circumstances that I don't understand, then I need to get in alignment with His will and His heart. In 2 Corinthians 12, you can, you can read about it this week, but Paul is basically telling this story about how three times he prayed for God to take something away in his life, but, but three times God said no. And you know what God said to Paul? You know what he said? He said, my grace is all you need and my power works best in your weakness. It's not what Paul wanted to hear, but it's what God said. And Paul had to bring his life into alignment with God's will. Listen, prayer is way more than just a therapeutic feel-good session where you got your, your coffee, which I drink coffee when I pray, <laughs> and you got your, your journal, and you got your special chair, and you got your cozy blanket, and, and you're posting on Instagram. It's way more than that. Sometimes it's ugly because you're consciously bringing your will. You're taking captive every thought and you're bringing it into, into alignment with God's. Listen, I need to be transformed way more than I need to be heard. I need transformation to happen in my heart. I need to look more like Jesus. John 3.30, John the Baptist said it, in an amazing way, he said, he must be, become greater and greater and I must become less and less. God, break my heart, break me down, shape me, mold me to make me look more like you. Colossians 3.3 says it like this. It says, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. We're breaking ourselves down and we're letting Jesus come hide we're, we're hiding ourselves in him and we're letting him be the thing that others see his grace his mercy his love his heart that's what prayer does so i want to encourage you this week to increase the stakes be obedient to scripture increase your faith keep asking keep asking hey god will lead you where you need to go but keep asking and then ask god to break your heart for what breaks his. He's gonna rewire, he's gonna reinvent, he's gonna remake who you are. He's gonna transform you from the inside out. Amen, amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. Some of you, the first prayer that you need to pray is a prayer of accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you say, Joe, I've been listening to messages. I, I, I can just sense what God is doing in my life and whether it's through a worship song that we sing today or, or the message, you just know that God has more for your life and you wanna begin a relationship with Jesus because he died for you on the cross, he rose again on the third day, he paid the price that you and I owed for our sins and he's offering us this free gift of salvation and you wanna accept Christ as your Lord and Savior today. If that's you, just raise your hand anyone in this room that says, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna make Jesus my Lord and Savior today. I'm ready to, to take that step, amen. Thank you, amen. 
you raised your hand, you can pray a prayer at your seat right now in your own words. The Bible is clear what you need to do. You need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead and you will be saved. And you make this conscious decision to follow him for the rest of your life. And the Bible says that when you put your faith in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so regardless of how you feel right now, if you are inviting Jesus into your life, you are a new creation in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's give those a hand that gave their lives to Christ today. Amen. For the rest of you, I want to encourage you to dig in. Dig in in prayer this week and this month for the next uh, 21 days, starting tomorrow. Let's pray through these, these, these topics in the prayer guide. And let's increase our faith. Let's increase the stakes. Let's ask God to break our hearts for what breaks His. And let's get in, in line with our Savior this year. Stand and let me pray with you today. God, I thank you for every person in this room. I pray that we will seek to be made by you, not ourselves. God, not made by our jobs or our careers or our uh, wealth or our accomplishments, uh, but made by you. And so we want to submit to you in prayer so that you can shape us and mold us into who you want us to be. God, we want less of us and more of you. That's our heart's cry. God, we wanna have the same heart like the psalmist that said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. And so we press into you, we lean into you, and we ask that you lead us in this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.